Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The scriptures for this weekend speak to us about the dangers of pride, honor, and ambition. A prideful person is consumed with themselves. They're constantly preoccupied with, you know, how do the people think of me? How do the people perceive me? Do they think well of me? Do they not think well of me? The great Irish poet Oscar Wilde once said, the only thing that's worse than someone talking about you is someone not talking about you. Now, our church teaches that pride is one of the seven deadliest sins. Why? Because a very prideful person is one in which their ego is so large, it eclipses the presence of God in their life. A prideful person is constantly preoccupied with honor. They want to be noticed, regardless of what they're doing. Now, what's wrong with this? Well, if I'm a prideful person, my happiness now is dependent upon other people. I need your approval in order to make me happy. If you approve of me, if you give me praise, I will be happy. But if you don't approve of me, if you don't give me praise, well, then I will be upset. I'll be miserable until you do. Now, if this was true, we're in big trouble. Why? Because people are very fickle. What people love today, they'll probably hate tomorrow. So if our sense of self-worth, if our sense of self-esteem is dependent upon how people think or winning the praise of others, we're going to be in big trouble. In fact, we're going to be miserable throughout the rest of our life. See, the first reading in the gospel addressed this. Go into the first reading from the book of Sirach. Not only does it address it, it gives us a great solution to this problem. It says, My child, conduct your affairs with humility and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Humble yourselves the more, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God. One of the keys for growing in the spiritual life, humility. Well, there's that classic story with St. Augustine. Someone approaches him and says, what are the three most important things I must do or have in order to grow in the spiritual life? Augustine said, Humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. Humility. Humility. The word comes from the Latin root word humus, which, which means earth or ground. A person that practices humility is grounded in who they are in relationship with God. A person that practices humility is grounded or rooted in their identity as a servant of the Lord. More to it, they're grounded or rooted in their faith. Such that what? Now, their faith is a central element of their life. Every aspect of their daily life is touched by their faith. Whether it's work, friendships, people you meet in the neighborhood, whether it's hobbies, sports, bowling, fishing, all those things are now touched by your faith. More to it, humility is the bridge to holiness. 
Where is this most clearly seen? In the lives of saints? If there's one common thread that bonds all saints together, humility. They were constantly grounded and rooted in their identity and who they were as servants of the Lord. Now, what's the opposite of humility? Pride, isn't it? What does pride do? It uproots us such that we are no longer grounded in our identity in relationship with God. We no longer need our faith. We no longer need God. The only thing that we need is the desire to win the praise or to be noticed by others. See, Jesus addresses this in the gospel, pride and ambition. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, ambition is like sugar. Now, why is this a problem? Well, because an ambitious person usually has an insatiable appetite. They constantly want to be noticed. They can't get enough of have praise and being noticed by others. So Aquinas says, you know, what people do in this case, they feed only on sugar and sugar alone. And what happens? Well, it never satisfies their hunger. So they keep eating more and more sugar. Now, sugar is never meant to satisfy us. Instead, staple food like meat and potatoes and bread, that satisfies our body. But sugar doesn't. That's why we want more and more of it. And what's the end result? We get sick, don't we? Our kids prove that. You know, every year at Halloween, you know, they collect all that candy, then they eat it all up, maybe in a day, and what happens? They get sick. Well, Aquinas says, apply that now to the spiritual life. If we feed our soul nothing but pride, ambition, and honor, what happens? It never satisfies our soul. So we keep feeding it more and more because we hunger. And yet, what's the end result? Spiritually speaking, we end up sick. See, that's the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach us in the gospel. The first reading is a great segue into the gospel. In fact, both complement each other. How does the gospel begin? On a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. And the people there were observing him carefully. Well, Jesus now is in the home of a leading Pharisee, one of the most important figures of a very honored group. What's the implication here? Jesus, we would say, is in an arena of ambitious people. Now, this Pharisee, the host, this is a person that throughout their life has carefully climbed the social ladder and now is in a position of great honor. Notice the detail. It says they were all observing him. Remember, honor depends upon being seen and noticed. I would argue if we were on a deserted island all by ourselves, we would never have honor because no one would be watching us noticing us, what we do. You know, later on, Jesus will say, when you give alms, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand on street corners or marketplaces so that everyone knows that they're praying. Instead, go to your private room and pray in secret, and then your Father who sees in secret will repay you. See, humility We all do good things in our course of our daily life, and yet our motivation is always for the concern of others. See, that's what humility is. We do good works not to be noticed, not for our own grandizement. Now, the story continues. It says, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited, noticing how they were choosing their places of honor at the table. Jesus is in this great banquet hall. And he's observing what's going on. 
the guests are all jockeying for positions of honor. They're saying to themselves, well, you know, if I sit over there, that man has a great deal of power. But over on the other side of the room, there's another man that has equal or even more power. But on the other side of the room, there's a group of men sitting together that are very influential. Maybe I should sit with them. They're all preoccupied with comparing themselves to each other's. You know, am I rising up the ladder? Am I falling down the ladder? Do I have an advantage over that man? Does he have an advantage over me? At the heart of ambition is what? Slavery. A person that has a great deal of ambition is enslaved to the opinion of others, isn't he? A person with a great deal of ambition is dependent upon the esteem of others. Therefore, he's enslaved to their opinions. Now, what's the worst thing that can happen to a person? that has a great deal of ambition. Well, he works very hard at something, works very hard to get noticed. And he gets noticed by maybe friends or coworkers, but they notice him for very little time and then they turn their attention away to somebody else. Well, that person has worked very hard and it's all in vain. Now, notice what Jesus says next. It says, He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back, and you have repayment. Now, Jesus is saying this to the host, the man who invited him into his home. Now, that takes a great deal of courage. We would refer to it as a great deal of moxie on Jesus' part. Jesus is trying to teach us a powerful lesson. Generosity and charity are good. Yes, they are in of themselves, but they also can be a disguise for honor. You know, I'll help you if you help me. It's the old quid pro quo. You know, I'll paint your house provided, you know, you install this pane glass window in my house. Well, that's not charity at all. You know, we do those good things out of our own self-interest. But notice what Jesus says next. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. That's great, isn't it? We all do good works, don't we? In the course of a day or a week in our lifetime, we all do good things for others. But we do them for a genuine concern for others. And see, that lies at the heart of the message for this weekend. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, In God's kingdom, greatness is measured by one's concern for others. I'll say that again. In God's kingdom, greatness is measured by one's concern for others. See, that's a powerful statement to make. I'm sure we know many people in our parish that are like this. Many people that volunteer their time, their talent, and their treasure for the concerns of the parish so that our parishes remain vibrant and life-giving and healthy places, good spiritual places for all of us to benefit by. Well, those people are great in God's eyes. Their motivation, based upon humility, they do those good works, volunteering, not to be noticed, but because they have a genuine concern for the greater whole of the parish. I'll give you some examples to help you understand this a little bit better. You go into church in the middle of the week. There's no one in the church. No one sees you go into that church at all. No one notices you. You kneel down and you pray. 
You don't pray for yourself, but you pray for other people that need your prayers. Maybe a friend that has been diagnosed with cancer. Maybe another friend that is facing challenges in their life. And you pray for those people. Again, no one sees you do this. No one notices you. No one will ever know what you've done. And yet, I would argue there's more truth and there's more value in that simple act of charity than the applause of thousands of people. I'll give you another example. You sit down at a table with a young child and you help them with their homework, whether it's math, English, or science. You simply help them. Now, no one notices you. No one sees you do this. In fact, no one will ever know that you helped this child to learn. But I would argue there is more truth and more beauty in that act of charity than the admiration of hundreds of people at a party. See, this is what Jesus is getting at. You know, it's a very simple but great lesson for us all. Greatness in the kingdom of God is measured for one's concern for others. See, that's why we can all do this. We can all be great in God's eyes. And yet it first begins with humility. Humilitas, humilitas, humilitas. Being grounded and rooted in our relationship with God. And then from that, going out and truly and genuinely having a great concern for others. And then living that out by doing good works for others. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.